can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hey, hey, hey! And welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse. And this is my lovely adjacent co-host, Jane Maureen Hammer. That made me think of Maureen from Rent, because you know, I'm such a Rent head. Oh, she's one of the, um, she's one of the, the what do they call you guys? The, the evictions? The eviction notices? <laughs> I think it's the evictors. Or, no, the evictees, or no, because it's it's all about sort of an anti-landlord moment. So it wouldn't be the evictor, right? Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. Martyrdom really calls for you to be the um, <laughs> the ones who are who are being um, acted upon. Were you so, a, were you a redhead as a kid? Nope. Okay. Didn't Even though I so. like musical theater, I was it was never like for some reason like my jam. Although I never really under it, written falls in like a weird area. I feel like in my in my youth though, because it's like I feel like you had to have like caught the moment when it was happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like the kids now, like I know like Ava and Addison really love um, like Hamilton, but they were like, mm-hmm. they, they were there at like, you know, the Genesis. So like, totally. like, it'd be weird if they were like 15 and discovered it. You know what I mean? Right. It's I like think... you missed the moment. It's not far enough away to be like, oh, mm-hmm. like, you know, but I, mean, yeah. I guess I caught plenty of other moments. So, <laughs> grade, so I caught it right when it was happening and I didn't fully like understand it but I knew that I loved it like my godmother took me to go see um Red oh was... you saw it like you saw it at the, the theater when I was like 12 I think maybe and then I became very very obsessed with it. I didn't fully like understand what was going on but then I saw it a few more times after that and like listened to the soundtrack like it was my fucking job and so Adam Rapp right mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah um, he played Mark um, That's right. I think I have his autograph. I know I have because I I went and saw it on Broadway and then like waited outside. Um, yeah, absolutely. To like get some cigs. I think I think I have Adam Rap. I think I have. Well, spoiler alert! This all connects to the movie because the person who originated Mimi is in the movie that we oh. watched for today. Is it Magdalena? No, it's she's a very small part. Uh, she she is. I know I'm like kind of blowing my load before we uh, like get into it, but she. Pl- <laughs> I've, she read, I've read your wife's journals, so this is. <laughs> Dare surprising. You. Um, I think I think the elephant in the room when you dress is why are you reading my wife's journals? But um, well, when you guys go out of town and stuff, you're like <laughs> have me go over to like water plants or anything like that. You, you see what you can Or get, if yeah. you didn't have me do that, sometimes if you leave, like, a window um, not exactly mm-hmm. locked. Like or, a jar. Yeah. Then, like, I yeah. may see what happens if I push it up and then place my body <laughs> on the other side of it. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then just sort of, you know, putter around a little bit. See what happens. Dig I in. I love puttering yeah. around because it's just like it's it's such it a makes me think of my term. It makes me think of my grandparents. Uh, yeah, no, it does. It, it absolutely yeah. makes you think of a person of a certain age, like aimlessly <laughs> just like bumbling. And like, not that that's what you said about your grand your grandparents. I didn't put that on it. But I'm just no, saying when you but, hear the term. But that's like, I remember like when my grandparents like come visit. I remember like, <laughs> this is like kind of horrible. My dad would be like, oh, you know, I heard him puttering around at 5 a.m. They wake it's up so a, early. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a, like, it's one of those terms that's, that's actually like quite rude, but like. When you hear the word itself, like there's something sort of like benign about it. But I don't think it, I don't actually don't think of it as being rude. I think it's kind of a nice like, oh, whenever, you know, I'm just pottering around the house. You know, I use it to no. When you use it to describe yourself, yes. But if somebody uses yeah. it to describe what you're doing, it does not feel that way. <laughs> if I come over and I'm like on the phone, I'm like, oh, I'm at Jane's house. She's just puttering around. <laughs> that sounds like you are like aimlessly just like like moving without over. purpose. And just, like, shuffling around in, like, a matching, like, windbreaker, like, set. And... (laughs) I think there's one thing that can always be said um, about me is that I'm not moving unless I'm moving with purpose. (laughs) So... You're not moving. I'm not moving. Period. Yes. Living a sedentary life. You don't explain yourself to anybody. No, I don't. It's me and my life, okay? And it's between me and my doctors. Right? Sorry. So, yeah. Oh, Jane's got, looks like a beer or something. So. um. So just a little bit, a little brisky. Oh, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. I got a little bloody, bloody Mary here. So. Ooh, like it's Sunday morning. Right? <laughs> I, I know. I wanted one, and then I thought to myself, this is a weird time to to do this. But it No, I, you know what? I feel like we should be able to have Bloody Marys whenever we want. Um, I agree. I often crave, like, a 5 p.m. Bloody Mary. Like, it's a nice, like, savory, like, it's almost like a snack. Can I ask bust. you... This is gonna sound shady, no matter like what I say and how I say it. I I'm, know. Don't don't worry, Brandon. I'm used to it. Please go go ahead. So you what you just said about the Bloody Mary would that qualify mm-hmm. as like you having like found like your purpose in life? Like what do you, you like? What do you mean? Like you like are you gonna launch like a campaign to like? Make Bloody Marys like an easy oh. thing. Like a- <laughs> oh, I see. Dedicate myself to something that you have other something. purposes. No, you have other purposes no, too. Of course, but I mean, like, of course. But are and you going to like mean. fully take this on and like run for like I don't know, like older person or something on like you know <laughs> starting locally and like sort of like allowing it to just sort of like branch out from there. I'm going to be honest, Brandon. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it if I work within the system. I think my methods have to be more radical. Ooh, so I'm not I'm not running for alder woman. I'm not <laughs> I'm not sitting in local elections and waiting for people to decide that I'm the one that makes shit happen. What nice. I'm going to do <laughs> is I'm going to drink all fucking day, <laughs> okay? Ooh, I love it. And I'm going to I'm going to drink tomato-based vodka drinks all fucking day because that's my right as an American and (laughs) you know what (laughs) who needs a career when you have a purpose you know what I mean if I uh yeah I know somebody else who's never mind I can't (laughs) what were you Um, gonna say 
I was gonna say I know somebody. You, well, what I was gonna say was you sound. We have to cut this. Okay. I was gonna say you sound like my friend Timothy McVeigh, but <laughs> um, I need to. You're. It's, it's gotta be cut. But also, I like situated myself like. It's <laughs> like. I don't know why I had to, I could have just said you sound like Timothy McVeigh, but instead I made him my bestie for some reason in that narrative. Um, so, so nobody you were, comes off so you, you were entirely comfortable comparing me to Timothy McVeigh, but the line was where you called him your best friend. So like the egg is entirely all on my face and your hands gotta be clean. That's the line for you. How dare you? I I don't I feel like if I released a book today called like <laughs> My Friend Timmy and like it was like me and him like back to back with like our, our arms folded I feel like that would be an instant bestseller and like Honey, of course people think... would come out and be like you don't you didn't know him you would have been <laughs> seven years old like when any when it ha- like wh- what are you talking about sir? <laughs> like it would have been well so it would I'd be, be like, it, you, yeah I mean it would I'm absolutely doubling down <laughs> it would be a work of fiction, as they say. Um, and also, you'd have a tough time getting that picture with him. And you want to know why? Well, no, I know. I mean, no, we'd like, I'd get like Tara or somebody to like, you know. To Photoshop it. Magic. Mm-hmm. But um, like us playing chess or something. Um, Talk about a purpose. <laughs> searching for Bobby Fisher, right? Uh, some things don't need to be found. But um, yeah, so what you said earlier, rent. Uh, oh, I never told you who it was. Yeah, sorry. I'm ready. I'm ready. No, I'm ready. So she, so the person who originated Mimi, her name is Daphne Rubin Vega. I didn't even need to look that up. I know it off the top of my head. Yeah. And and she was the receptionist playing Game Boy at the Monument. Wow. (laughs) And I go, I would go, Mimi! I like screamed it. That's incredible. (laughs) Also, that must mean, so this movie came out, I think, in the summer of 94. So that would mean, Rent came out in 94, right? No, 96, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I, I don't know. Oh, wow, I was way off. Okay. So then, yeah, so this was just like, you know, on her road to, to that come up. Should we talk about this movie? Let's get into it. <laughs> also, can I just tell you that my brother texted me this weekend while he was listening to the Top Gun episode, and he goes, when are you going to talk about the fucking movie? <laughs> This, I, was like, I mean, he, this falls this, into that category. Sorry, Johnny. I was like, we, um, I am 100% sure that he's going to be thinking that, thinking that same thing this week. So, This also gives you a little taste into what just being around Jane or me is like and just the chaos. And just hit and the just strong constitution it takes. It's and not for why, the faint of heart, I'll tell you that. Why we don't have a lot of people clamoring to spend time with us. Good point. Good point. <laughs> but you know what, Jane? I like what? it like that. Oh, baby. Cultural probation. Uh, what? But I'm going to, um, you know what you did. There was a lilt. Uh, but um, we're going to move into the movie. Jane, I gave you this week um, to watch. Um, 1994, 1994 romantic comedy drama, um, directed by Darnell Martin, I believe. Mm-hmm. I like it like that. Starring like Lauren Velez like that. and John Cena. Mm. And uh, Reed Moreno's in the mix too. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it. You got. We got and you got in our midst. Underutilized, but present. Um, <laughs> but she's there. 
She's there. Um, I gotta yeah. believe some of her scenes got cut. Right? <laughs> For her to I take know. this part? Right. Although, I, well, whatever. We'll get into it. But do you want to read your synopsis? I'm going to read my synopsis um, right mm. now. All right. Here we go. Lizette Linares is a mother of three in the boogie down Bronx trying to raise her kids and hold her marriage together as well. When her husband Chino is arrested on petty theft charges, she finds herself having to make ends meet as a single parent. With the help of her sister Alexis, Lizette is hired by a record executive who begrudgingly gives her a shot as his assistant. She is trying to make enough money to bail Chino out and reunite her family. But when she discovers that Chino's been bailed out by her buxom neighbor, Magdalena, who claims that Chino is the father of her baby boy, things go from bad to worse. Lizette's eight-year-old son, little Chino, is also starting to run with the wrong crowd. Oh, and her new boss is trying to shoot his shot as well. Now, with so many distractions happening at once, will Lizette and Chino find a way to drown out all the noise? I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told the server who accidentally burned my toast. I like it like that. <laughs> that was great. That was beautiful. I, I will say, too, the very first note on my page of notes is the Boogie Down Bronx. Because I was very oh, excited. Nice. We were in the Bronx. I, I had no idea about this movie. I'd never heard of it. And when I saw it, it didn't like raise any sort of recognition like oh i've heard people talk about this or whatever like literally never made it to my radar at least at in all. a way that i can remember at all which is fucked because i loved this movie it's great isn't it it's so fucking good i first of all tara and i okay so just to like jump in with it 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 takes place in new york it has that sort of like 90s new york chaotic feeling that like was so aspirational to me as a young kid like i feel like every kid who grows up on the east coast is like someday i'm gonna move to new york and like it's gonna be sweaty and chaotic and messy and whatever. And like, because that's what I saw in movies in the 90s about what it was like to live in New York. It's clearly a very, very different scenario these days, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was gonna say that Darnell Martin, the writer and director of this film, she was also um, second assistant camera on Do the Right Thing, which makes total sense. That makes because so much sense. The way that she sort of like immerses us as the viewers in this like this quintessential like New York tale is, I mean, it's so um, it's reminiscent in a way. You can see that like Spike Lee, I can only imagine was maybe an inspiration for her because it's that sort of like frazzled, hectic, like energy. It's like, it's that balmy sort of like 90s summertime vibe happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And she has a POC at the center of like this love story. And so it's Mm -hmm. like not the kind of story that I feel like you see a lot and exists a lot within like American like cinema. So for so many reasons. And that's why I thought about it. I always have a list of movies. I have like four or five movies that are like always almost and then I'll think of another Mm -hmm. movie and then that will like supersede them. And this was that movie this time because I remembered it existing. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with this 
film. I used to watch it all the time. We we got it from like a rummage sale in Louisiana, and like mm-hmm. I so I had it on VHS. So I would watch the VHS tape like all the time. At my grandmother's house, I had like four or five VHS tapes that I used to watch all the time. I had Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I had Hudson Hawk. Which is like a Bruce Willis, Sandra Bernhardt joint. That Um, missed me entirely. And then, oh, we'll have to add that in too. And then I had this movie (laughs) and I had a couple others. Those are the three that come to mind, but those are the three that we used to watch on loop. But I remember I like it like that because Lauren Velez is just, she's so incredible in it. Um, She is so incredible. And I was like, I I think one of the things too that I was like, oh, it's like, first of all, like absolute total Spike Lee vibes, like clearly an inspiration. And like that felt like instantly, like I know where I am in this movie. And I know that like, it it just had the same feeling like your take being, I know Spike Lee normally does Brooklyn and this is the Bronx. And because I'm not a New Yorker, I don't know the like intricacies of the different boroughs or whatever, but it has that feeling. And it is one of the very few movies that centers like the majority like Latinx characters. Even like to this day, there aren't that many, you know what I mean? And I think, I mean, we talk about this all the time where it's like most, most movies are about fucking white people all the time. So this is like, this is almost like where Spike Lee movies really center around black characters. This was like a similar time and a similar vibe, but with the Latinx community, it was really nice to see that because I can't, I mean, like, honestly, so the the, the main character, Chino, played by, is it John? John Seda. Seda, okay. He, I recognize him from Selena, which is like one of the few movies Absolutely. that I've seen yes. that like centers around Latinx people. So it's like this. He's it's, the husband. It, yeah, he right? plays Chris, the guitar he, yes, player. Yes, he plays and husband. Chris. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's just it's it's a surprise to me because he's a good he's a very good actor yes. and he's very good looking. I'm like, why are you not he's like a household? Very man? attractive. Yes. Yeah, he's gorgeous. Like, and. That's why this character, Chino, is, like, really hard to hate, even though he does some of the most fucking egregious things I've ever seen. But he's so charming. No, absolutely. The other thing I was going to say, too, was, like, Lauren Velez, also her character, um, is actually Afro-Latina, which is Mm -hmm. something that I feel like you never really see discussed. And, like, I think that there are interesting nuances to that and like Mm -hmm. it's mentioned in in passing a couple of times in the movie but I think that that Mm -hmm. brings a whole other like layer to it as well absolutely Um, so yeah I think that 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 that's also worth worth noting and I agree with you I mean I think just like atmospherically um, you're sort of like you're placed right in the moment within like the first like 20 seconds you know what this is like Mm -hmm. it's such a it's such a mood it's such a vibe like it's It's such such a, a vibe it is and you're just like okay I understand who it is and then I think really quickly we meet like our our leads and like I feel like it becomes apparent that like we're in good hands yeah. You know, um, there's well, a also moment. the camera work, like in the big. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. No, no, no. The camera fine. work in in the beginning, where it's like you are following, which I imagine because it's such the whole movie is a chaos of like visuals and sounds, and you have to, as a viewer, decide what you're going to pay attention to and look at. And there are certainly, um, you know, times where 
it focuses in, but like it brings so much. Um, God, what is it? It, it, it? There's so much weight to the fact that like being a New Yorker in the 90s living in the Bronx and like not having enough money and being a person of color and like all oh, there's just like so much chaos going on. And so the camera work like lends itself to that because it's like it the, like they start off like the very first shot is like a woman folding a coin into a five dollar bill and then handing it off and and you follow the money and then there are all these people and everyone's talking and 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 um, there's so much back and forth and you don't know what's going on and maybe they're playing lottery, but then also, you know, Chino and Lissette are upstairs having like raucous sex and their children are screaming and their mother's screaming. And it's like, it's just a cacophony of sounds and sweat and color. And like everyone, it's a 90s, so everyone's wearing very brightly col- colored clothes. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a chaotic and like in, in, in a weird way, a chaotic and comforting beginning. I think that one of the things about this movie is that the energy is, like, hectic and chaotic. And I think, like, it manifests itself in different ways, depending Mm -hmm. on which of those things is happening. I feel like even in those moments where, um, in those moments where it's, there are times where it's chaotic and, like, it feels like Lizette's life is sort of, like, falling apart. Mm -hmm. And so the chaos manifests itself in this sort of, like, frantic, uh, manic way. But then there are these other times where it's, like, chaotic. But, like, you are very much in, like, a house that is full of, like, love. Totally. um, And there's so much heart. And there's Mm -hmm. joy, too. So, like, Mm -hmm. the chaotic joy, like, it manifests itself in this way that feels almost, like, buoyant and, like, effervescent. So it's, like, it's really interesting, like, what the energy does. There's so much humor. There's so much humor. And and the movie itself... I, I couldn't think of like for lack of like a more artful way of describing it I mean it just felt so real like yeah it that felt was the thing. so real yeah I think that that's sort of the watching it this time and I honestly I hadn't seen it probably because it was a VHS tape at my grandmother's house I don't know how we got it but like <laughs> I haven't seen it in so long and then when I remembered it I was like oh my god and then I right after I suggested it to you I googled it and I was like, "Oh, this is like a movie that like was actually like it didn't make it made like 1.7 million dollars at the box office." Although to be honest, who knows what what does that have to do with how it was marketed and like what it, you know, what I'm did sure. you know, it premiered at, at Cannes and then Cannes can Cannes Film Festival? Um, I think it's Cannes, but I'm not a I think French I always hear Cannes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I am, but I still if, always want to make sure I mean, because I'm dealing with As we all know. Um, but yeah, so um, so yeah, so the movie is it's really it's really wonderful. There's so many things about it that feel like I don't know. There's just like like I said earlier, there's so much love at like the the center of it, and mm-hmm. um, I think that there's a lot of complicated relationships, and I think that that's one of the things that the movie does really successfully is like yeah. It's constantly sort of like navigating complex terrain in a way that feels like very human, like in the sense that like we're not going to get resolutions to everything. And you don't. And and, and I think it's like very clearly good writing and good acting because it's people who are more than one thing. And that's the thing that like I mentioned about Chino, whereas like he is in the beginning so charming and handsome and really loves his family and loves his life and love his loves his wife. You can feel that he loves his wife. But you find out later he um you know 
beats his children. He humiliates his son on more than one occasion. He loses his temper. He um, goes about things in ways that are only going to get him into more trouble. Like he wants to buy his wife a new stereo, so he robs um, a electronic store during a blackout in New York and gets caught and goes to jail. So it's like, you know, he does all of these things and then he gets mad at her, at Lisette, when she's doing everything she can to keep this family together. And she's so frustrated and has really no help and just people just wanting more and more and more from her and she does everything she can to hold it together. She ends up sleeping with her boss and she really does it to get back at Chino and then he blames her for everything. He has like no like ability to like look at a situation, like zoom out and look at a situation and be like, hmm, I might be responsible for some of this. It's just like the thing in front of him that gets him so angry and you want to like shake him and be like, Chino, what the fuck? Like you caused so much of this chaos and you're mad at Lisette who's been keeping everybody afloat this whole time and then on the other hand there's Lisette who um you know is totally like exhausted and working so hard and isn't very nice to her children sometimes and is like transphobic to her sister when she's mad and like uses her sister's dead name when she's mad at her and like you know um sides with her mother when her mother like you know talks about um beating up her trans sister and then like uh, then writes that wrong of course and realizes like maybe I shouldn't identify with my mother because she's like done very mean things to my sister wait did she side with her mother no sorry I probably said that wrong so (sighs) basically she's talking to her sister Alexis who is trans and her their parents will not speak to Alexis because they don't understand her journey and her how she identifies and so they are doing what a lot of parents do who don't have all the information who are uninformed and they are they're basically being horrible to Alexis because they want to force her into being someone that she can't be um and so therefore they don't want to see her they cut her off entirely um and what happens is just that conversation between Alexis and um, Lisette when Lisette is saying that it, it doesn't really, she's not really talking about how her mother is and how her mother treats Alexis, but she says that she like identifies with her mother is it understands her mother because her mother only cares about herself and she wants to be like that as well and then you know a scene later Alexis comes back after trying to talk to her parents and she's been physically assaulted by her father and Lisette is like okay I am actually nothing like my mother because I love you and I would never do that to you or or let that happen to you yeah, no, that I, I will say this is one of the first movies, which is so funny as a kid, which just speaks to like, you know, the the number that the world and society does on you. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I totally watched this movie and like I ex- I accepted Alexis as a character for who she was mm-hmm. as a child. Like I never even really thought about it in yeah. terms of you know what I mean. Like I think yeah, that, that I- just speaks to all of the the shit that you know is sort of put into your head by society. But mm-hmm. it's like she is who she says she is. This is her truth. Mm-hmm. Um, literally a song from La Caja Fo. Um, But like she, that's I mean, <laughs> but she's walking in her truth, and it's like we accept it, and like it. It, I think is one of the first like trans characters that I ever saw in a film and she was a part yeah. of this world and this society and like there were a handful of comments that especially like watching it now you're like that's not fucking okay like mm-hmm. boom 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 and I'm sure that was like still with all of that being said it is a well rounded complete uh, person, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely, and that wasn't something that I feel like you really like saw a lot of in 1994 when it, especially when you got to like um, to communities um, and people of color, their reaction mm-hmm. and the way that they sort of like interact. Although this feels so much more honest to like the world, like how it actually exists, which is like this is a person in my life that I love. And mm-hmm. this in trans people exist in society, and they have forever. So it's like mm-hmm. absolutely like it's, it's her sister, and and she she loves her. Although you're right, like in those moments when she gets upset, um, and she decides to like lash out, and it's like she goes like the the worst possible route that you could go by yeah. like and by like coming after like her sister's womanhood when it's like convenient you know for her or like she wants and what to it sort has of like nothing to do nothing with to do with like with what's going on jesse borrego plays uh the character of um alexis and he does a, a really amazing job with this part and- he does and i think the character of alexis is you can't hear me dave can you hear me hello Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Let me make sure. There's no sound. Just on. Yeah. I don't know what's up with these stupid headphones. The microphone. Um, so we were talking about the movie. We were talking about the character of Alexis. Um, mm-hmm. and we were just I was saying that I I mean, she is I feel like that she's written with a lot of honesty, and I think that like that's like she's sort of like in a lot of ways she is I don't know she's kind of like a part of like the heartbeat of this movie at least I mean a lot of that is on Lizette as well but I mean I just think their relationship and these two like they, they have such amazing chemistry and um that scene the scene when she goes to see her parents and she's all dressed up and she just wants to be like loved and like accepted for who she is it's just like one of the most heartbreaking scenes like ever it's you know? so painful because mm. for, i mean for a number of reasons because we are people who are other people and you know just like you can't imagine that scenario and it just hap- it, it it's heartbreaking because that kind of thing happens all the time and has happened all the time and i think one of the great things about the character of Alexis is that like I think you touched on this earlier maybe a little bit but like she's not a a sad sack of a person she's not existing merely to 
fill a hole of representation. She exists because she is Lisette's sister and she loves her and they have their own stories and like I love how she's written and there's no sort of like uh, this is maybe a weird way to put it but I think with a lot of these characters in movies nowadays like or just like in movies in general when you try to represent um, a trans character or something there has to be some sort of explanation of who she is and they don't do that in this movie. She just is who she is. And we all, you know, the, the world accepts her. Yeah, there's some mean things that happen, of course. But she fits into this world just as much as anybody else. And it's really nice to see, you know. Oh, absolutely. And as Dave mentioned when we were watching the movie, he said she's not a victim. You yeah, know? and I, I like mm-hmm. that. That like, and he was just like, she's she's like a fully realized person. She's mm-hmm. not an idea of a person. She's not here to fulfill, like you said, some sort of quota. She exists, mm-hmm. and she's imperfect, and she's brave, and she's strong. And and know, I think she's that's fighting really... to be seen and to 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 live her full potential, just like Lizette is. Like the right. two women who are both i think that's one of the places where they're linked obviously they're you know siblings but also they're both like women trying to like find themselves in like this you know within this patriarchal bullshit and like mm-hmm. they're both like sort of trying to like drown out the noise and get to like get to the real of it and she's got her own goals and her own dreams and i I like that too because it's Mm -hmm. like she's you know saving money up to have you know her you know gender reassignment surgery um or you know she makes reference to it when i think what is i think i think now it's like um gender affirming surgery her gender from she's saving up money to have her gender affirming surgery and like there's a point in the movie like Chino is a dummy and like there's a blackout mm-hmm. and then he decides he's gonna go get Lizette like a stereo that she wants because she says you know well well Lizette says to her you know <laughs> he never he makes a lot of promises but he's just got a bunch of stuff on layaway for you girl and so <laughs> she says to him well you know, Alexis Alexis says that to Lizette oh I thought that's what I said I'm sorry Alexis oh, okay. says that to Lizette <laughs> she's like yeah she's like your man like he's cute but like he's got a lot of stuff on layaway sis and um she calls <laughs> Chino out later Lizette Lizette does and then like when this blackout happens and everybody sort of like you know runs inside like Chino decides to go out and try and like steal the stereo which sort of sets up one of the first big conflicts in the film which is then Chino is arrested Lizette doesn't have the money to get him out he had Lizette has like five dollars basically um which is crazy caused me anxiety to hear that she only had five dollars she had five dollars and it was like the decision between like spending the money to go to like an interview a job interview um and potentially because uh, alexis gasses her up and she's like girl you used to model they had your picture in the window at the um at the at the hair the hair salon like you gotta get back on that gig and so i love when they're like when they're like telling this on the stoop with all their neighbors and and um alexis is like lisette is gonna model and everyone's like Oh, like kind of roasting her. And Lisette's like, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have the perfect body to model. You just have to, you have to like have the perfect heart or whatever she says. And I was thinking like, that is a nice sentiment, girl. But we all know that's not true. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, that is not it. Although Lauren Velez is beautiful. Like, oh god, she, insane. That's gorgeous. the thing that's so funny is that she is like actually strikingly beautiful and probably and like, could be a model. <laughs> and everybody's like, but everybody's coming for it. It's also this awful thing that they do, which I can attest to the fact that this is like, this is real and it's not okay. But it is so real, like that. Like when they, the, I get, I get from this movie, I get that this is like family and like extended mm-hmm. family, and your friends are your family, and all of these people grew up together. So when yeah. they're on the stoop, it's like they're doing basically like a version of the dozens. Like everyone's going in on each other in that way. <laughs> the thing that like it's awful, but the thing that they everybody goes in on Lizette about is the fact that she has like smaller breasts, and it's like it's everybody throws her the entire film, like random people walking down the street would just be like, oh, Lizette, with those little tatas. And it's like, <laughs> oh, hello. Hello, it's Deacon so- Johnson. <laughs> like, Not the greeting I-, I was expecting. <laughs> but it's the one I got. And it's like, it's like a through line through the whole movie. movie. <laughs> so Everyone's much. like, Lizette, everyone knows you don't have any tatas. And I'm like, oh my God. Why are you all talking about this? And not only that, it's like her husband, like um, all of her friends, like all of their friends. Magdalena mentions uh, it as Magdalena. well. Although I expect does. to hear that shit from Magdalena, who is a beautiful bitch, and I hate her. She's really, yeah, she's beautiful. Magdalena, like, wants Chino and, like, isn't subtle about it at all. No, she's, like, blatantly, like, flirts with him in front of Lizette. And, like, that's the other thing, like, we, we, like earlier, so Chino goes to, like, we sort of get a, a hint of, like, Magdalena sniffing around the house, trying to get, like, you know, her eyes on Chino. And then, like... Her eyes? Like, yeah, among like other her things. her hands. Among other appendages. Um, <laughs> and um, Chino gets arrested, and then Lizette's, like, scrambling to try and, like get this money together to get him out and she's looking for a job. I mean, she's also still taking care of these three kids. The only help that she gets is from Chino's mother, who is played by the incomparable, the lovely, um, the legend that is Rita Moreno, um, our EGOT. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she is just like always ready to roast Lizette as well. So it's like Lizette's uh, getting she's it She's horrible. She's, she's actually a really horrible character. The things she, she says throughout this movie. She says I a mean, lot of like really dicey problematic stuff. Yeah, well, like, with their daughter, like, when um, at certain point Chino comes back from jail and then it's, like, revealed that he cheated on her with Magdalena. And so she, Lissekos, and stays with um, her sister Alexis, which I think is in the same building, just on a different yeah, floor. Yeah, it is. And um, so Chino's, like, getting the kids ready for school in the morning with the mothers there, with, with his mother there, played by Rita Moreno. And he's, like trying to take care of um, uh, Minnie's hair, which is their, I think, like, six-year-old daughter. And he's, like, brushing through her hair, and she's like, ow, this hurts. Like, you're hurting me. And he's like... (laughs) And she's like, it doesn't hurt when mom does it or whatever. And then they, like, go to town on... And I'm not going to use the word, obviously, but, like, they, like, are talking about how, um, you know, she has, like hair because this particular hair because she's Afro-Latino and like roasting her and being like you know our our blood is pure I don't even remember our blood is pure she refers to she refers to Minnie's hair as like nappy and she basically like equates it with like the Jamaican because I think Lauren Velez's character is her father's Jamaican her mother is Puerto Mm -hmm. Rican 
So mm-hmm. um, she basically like makes a reference to that and is just basically mm-hmm. saying this is because of your mother's bloodline. Like our bloodline is pure. Like that's why you. That's why your hair is uh, nappy and kinky. It's just like yeah, it's problematic it's and horrible. Awful. And it's and also it- like accurate and honest and this is the yeah. kind of shit that they that people say that's not okay and like mm-hmm. for the first when i was a kid people would say shit like this and people nobody would say anything and now it's like we're finally people are being like no that's not okay you can't say that that's a like that's we're a not totally gonna let this child internalize thing. like something that awful it's all this bullshit around like good hair bad hair there's no such thing as like yes. there's no such thing as bad hair it's just you just have no. to know how to like navigate the hair but like you hear yeah. people say that stuff all the time i used to hear beauticians say that stuff to my cousins when we would go to like you know the hair salon and my cousins would get their hair done and it's like oh this idea of like valorizing somebody for like a hair texture that maybe is like easier to maneuver if you you know what i mean if you don't or they're like like readily available products and tools for a specific kind of hair and it's like i'm sorry that that doesn't exist for me so i'm like don't so my hair looks different or like whatever it is you know it's just it's it's i mean it's the the like horrifying like eurocentric society that we live in that says you know straight you know quote unquote brushable hair is good hair and it's just it's I I actually felt for the young actress playing the role of Minnie because I was like I really hope someone had a conversation with her like on like on set being like hey this is just an affirming conversation like this isn't real you know like you have beautiful hair and you are a beautiful person um you know because I I just I I worry about you know young people hearing these things and I know it's like this is this is part of that movie and it's very real you know of course so um <laughs> back to the lecture at hand um the daughter that that's the whole thing and then we've got little C who's the oldest son who actually this actor is really great um, he does such a good part with a very he does such a great job with like a very like intense part for like a small An child to take on eight year old he's incredible I was it, like he's really good he was so good. I, I, well, A, I looked him up because I was like, what are you up to? Like, are you, like, I'm sure you're on the road to to an Oscar, but I don't think he's done a movie since then. Just did that one and then was like, oh, maybe he was just like, this was a lot. Yeah. He was like, I saw too much. He's like, I'm still un- unpacking a bit, if we're yeah. being completely honest. So I'm not, I'm not running. Well, that moment when, like, the most horrible moment... I mean, first of all, just, like, the intensity that kid gives with one look, I was like, whoa. Like, you have seen some shit. Like, that's what I felt like he was telling me every time, like, I saw his face. And then, like, when Chino, like... This is... I was so fucking mad at Chino at this point when he was, like... He basically is upset because um, Lil Chino, the kid, won't get dressed for school. And he's basically threatened. Big Chino is like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And Chino's like, I don't care. I'm not scared of you. And I'm a man or whatever. And Chino's like, oh, you're a man? And he was like, you're only a man until you can, you know, pay for your own clothes, pay for your own shoes, 
pay for your own shoes, pay for your own food, whatever. And so he like takes off all his clothes and he's like, I paid for this, I paid for this, I paid for this. And he pushes him into the hall of the apartment building entirely naked. And that shot of the kid just like standing, this like little tiny eight-year-old boy, I'm like getting emotional thinking about it, just standing in the hallway, like trying to cover himself in like the quiet after he'd just been in this very intense moment of his siblings yelling, his grandmother yelling, his father yelling, everybody yelling. And he's in this silent hall, just like looking around, not knowing what to do, not crying, not just totally humiliated. It's a really horrible moment and it broke my heart. And that kid was amazing. No, he handles it like, um, no, he handles it very well. Um, he handles the part and like all of his challenges um, very well. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, he just rounds out like wonderful. The other child is like a baby, so um, yeah. did a great job, uh, you know, helping add to the chaos. Um, it was mm-hmm. adorable. Um, but yeah, the kids- oh my god. <laughs> Did you clock? This is just like, this is like, shouldn't be funny, but it definitely was. Um, In the beginning of the movie, when Chino's in jail and um, Lisette is mad at Lil Chino because he's mouthing off to her. And she's like, I'm going to whip you or... I'm gonna whip. I'm gonna whip your ass or whatever. And he's like, Dad took his belt to jail with him. Like, you don't have anything to whip me with. And she's like looking around the house for stuff to like beat his ass with. And the little sister runs in with a hairbrush and she goes, "Here, mommy, this will hurt." And like, hands the mom a hairbrush. And I was like, <laughs> you, "It's like heartbreaking, but also hilarious how she did it." Because it was like, "I'm gonna absolutely get find something to destroy my brother." Because the the limelight is off of me right now <laughs> so i'm gonna that help was, however i can <laughs> that was how it was at my grandmother's when we were little and we would get in trouble and like if we got in trouble especially at church like i remember my grandmother also would like this is horrible my grandmother's a wonderful person everybody but we did get our butts whipped sometimes i i do remember being at church and like we got in trouble because we were like my grandmother used to be in the choir stand and like which is like so she'd be like my granddad would be preaching my grandmother would be in the choir stand the choir and then like somebody would like nudge us to be like look up there look at like you know sister Kimball and then you look up and she'd be like leaning around my granddad like staring at us and she'd be like you'd get like one or two of those and then she'd give you a look and she'd be like I'm gonna be I'm gonna beat your ass after church and you were just like and then you pull out your bible and you start trying to pretend like you're like you're like following along and after church if she remembered you know because you're always like maybe she forgot then like it would be like go get a switch and I remember like if she told me like to go get a switch I would go get like the biggest stick I could find that was like all old and like dehydrated because I knew as soon as she hit me with it the first time it was going to break because it was just like a dry branch oh that's smart I would have I mean only if that's where it stops because what happened when you did that was that then she would ask one of the other kids she'd be like get one of my cousins and be like you go get you go get me a switch then since he can't seem to find one and they always like they always like do a real good job of finding them too and you're just like and then like yeah and then you bring it over and you're just like oh but that was like the whole the trick was getting one that was gonna break on like the fourth or fifth like pop because then it was like okay you got a couple in you're a little winded let's just all let's just all call <laughs> it a, call it a day and keep it moving you're you're breathing did she up. do it bare assed or over your clothes 
No, we would no. It would be it would be over our clothes. She wouldn't okay. tend to like do that. I mean, sometimes we were at home. That was a thing. But honestly, mm-hmm. like I was a pretty good kid. I do remember mm-hmm. though. It's so wild. This is a bigger conversation. Just like well, also I know like a lot of this is like, like yeah. Sorry, no, I was just say there were those times though when you were like at home and it's like it is like traumatic. Like if you know if yeah. you, if she's like lay across the bed, which is like stand in front of the bed and lay with your arms out, you know, mm-hmm. and you're gonna get popped oh, in the butt. Man. But my grandmother tended to use use her hands and like I think I say that like it's better. But um <laughs> <laughs> but like in my family, like that was more I think what it was than like a switch or like a belt typically mm-hmm. um but i was a genuinely scared child so i didn't get popped as much as everybody else i also as my cousins will attest i would give up anyone um <laughs> i believe that wholeheartedly i know your ass i know you yeah, would i would be like a goddamn bird if you yeah knew. i would i would get in the room <laughs> And sometimes if, like, my cousins were over, my mom would just, like, hit the bed in the room, like, and I would just make noises so that they thought I was getting whooped, but I wouldn't be getting oh, whooped. And my wow. mom would just be like, tell me who did it. I'm not going to tell anybody. And I'm like, all right. And she didn't. I did trust her. Although I think they kind of knew. I think my cousins were like, you you snake. But you just better <laughs> put a little bit it. of heat on me. And I think also that's probably why, like, my... I feel like my aunt and uncles and all of them, I feel like they probably lost a little respect for me during those years, and I can't blame them. But um, You were a kid. You were trying to get out of it. I was a kid, and I wanted the heat off me, and I wanted it off me fast. So mm-hmm. Jane already knows if she ever gets caught for any of the stuff that she's done, um, <laughs> at least I'm snooping around here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, Brandon. We'll sign everything. We'll go on the record. We'll take yeah. a polygraph. We'll do whatever it can I'll to. I'll do whatever yeah. they need me mm-hmm. to do. I will I will do it. And they'll probably get to the point where they'll be like, enough. We don't need <laughs> We don't need all that. Like, we didn't even ask you about that. You know, we're, we got enough for this one trial. She's going away for a long time. I just be like, good. <laughs> You'd be so sad without me. Oh, man, what would I do? I'd be calling you, try, uh, calling you, like, that's an option. You have to fill up my uh, calling card. So, also, like, one of the, like, things that happens in this movie is that, like, so Chino goes to jail, Lizette goes after this job, she ends up getting mm. hired um, by by this woman who's looking for a specific personality type to, like, accompany her boss to meet, like, the Mendez brothers, who are a very popular uh, group. They are sort of I kept in the thinking, process of, like, Menendez I kept thinking brothers. of the Menendez brothers. Of course. Yeah. Which, would that have been before? Before this, or um, I feel like that was like in the late eighties. Let me go. No, that's Menendez brothers. It wasn't ninety four because that was all OJ. That was OJ's year. Uh, They were nineteen eighty nine, baby. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jane. I didn't realize it was that. Why is it? Why do I remember them so well from childhood? I don't know. I were everywhere. Okay, so the only reason why I know who the Menendez brothers are is because... You dated my... Eric, right? <laughs> Briefly! How dare you? No, my... <laughs> my cousin, as a joke, sometimes used to call... you tell me that call... your cousin married one of the Menendez brothers as a joke? <laughs> no, no, no. My cousin, as a joke, used to refer to his parents as Kitty and Jose. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
did not get it when I was younger and then I put it all together later. But it was it was like in the 90s he used to call his parents Kitty and Jose, who are, it's, it's not, <laughs> I should show a little respect for that. You've never showed respect for the dead on this podcast before. Why would you start now? For those of you who don't know, Kitty and Jose are the parents who were murdered by Eric and Lyle Menendez, and it's actually very sad. So let's the other brothers. That I you don't have to laughing. describe that murder is sad. We all know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize the other brother's name was Lyle. What a weird um, pivot. Yeah, very strange. I would imagine like Eric and Matthew, or something like Eric and Mark. Yeah. Like, or, yeah, yeah, something like that. They were like they were like rich Beverly Hills kids. Yeah, Maybe Lyle was a family name. Yeah, and everybody was like obsessed with them, and it was just like it doesn't take much for you people. Because um, they were like hot or something. Because they were were they hot? Looking white men. They were okay looking white men. Is what they were. I don't think they're not take. white. It's like the it's like the narrative. They're not white. Oh, I'm sorry, they're, they're not white. My bad. Um, <laughs> it's like the narrative around like Ted Bundy. Where like people are like, Ted oh, Bundy Ted so Bundy hot. was, Ted was Bundy like, was, was actually busted looking. He like, was so unattractive. Always, like, it still comes up, and everybody's always like, he was so handsome, and it's like, was he? Because I feel like he was okay. These Menendez brothers are not hot. I don't get. They're also like murderers, probably. So like, <laughs> she gave him that probably though. Well, I don't know because I don't. I don't know the case. I don't know the case, and I know there are wrongful convictions all the time. You not knowing about stuff has never stopped you from speaking (laughs) boldly about it before. That is very true. Um. (laughs) Anyways, sorry, I interrupted. You were talking about the no. I love you. Um. No, I mentioned that there's a group. There's a singing group that. Um. So they're looking for like an assistant, like a sexy assistant to accompany Griffin Dunn's character, to. This um, his name is Mr. Price to Mr. Price, Mr. Company, Mr. Price, played by um, character actor extraordinaire Griffin Dunn. Um, <laughs> as he goes out to like sort of try and like woo these brothers, this singing group. Um, and uh, she ends up accompanying him and she proves that you know, she proves that she's you know, she is an asset and that she has like a pulse on like what's going on in the culture and like. He's this white guy, and these guys are Latinx, as is our um, our heroine, uh, Lizette. And so they have an instant connection, um, and they just vibe with her. Like, rumors happening in the neighborhood. Like, a couple people in the neighborhood see, like, Lizette get out of, like, her boss's car after he just literally drops her off at the at the um, yes. apartment that she lives in while Chino's in jail. A couple of his and friends And it's like a Lamborghini, the- so everyone's like, what a- is that car doing in this neighborhood? neighborhood. But also, isn't the Lamborghini... The top is down in the Lamborghini, right? It is, yes. right? Mm-hmm. The top is down in the Lamborghini. She gets out of the Lamborghini. She goes inside. <laughs> and then his friends go to jail where Chino is at. Chino's mother has shown up at the jail to tell him Magdalena, uh, Magdalena's father, runs a bodega in town. He's getting ready to open up a second one. Magdalena, like, will help Chino get out of jail if he will put his name on her son's birth certificate. Her son is an infant. Um, she basically, she's basically implying that she has had sex with Chino and that he is the father of her child. Um, I mean, and he has had sex. Yeah. With, oh no. But, for sure. but there's no proof that this baby is his. There's no sure. proof that the baby's his, but clearly, uh, you know, Chino is smashing Magdalena. Um, yeah. And so which is the like mom's annoying. Sh- no, it's annoying. And so the mom shows up and she's like, Magdalena and her father. They said they'll bail you out if you know you'll put your name in the birth certificate and agree to be a father. Also. Mm-hmm. 
Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. But first time we're watching this, I'm watching Cheeto in jail. I think it's when he's talking to his mother. And I was looking in the background and I was like, is that Fat Joe in the background? And I looked it up. Fat Joe was in this movie. But he doesn't say anything or do anything. He's just a background actor, but he is credited in it, which is crazy. I was like, nothing can stop him. He's all the way up. Shout out to Fat Joe and Remy Ma. I know you both are listeners to the podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. Without a doubt. We love you guys. And R.I.P. Big Pun. Punisher. Big Punisher. Once again, back to Joe. My goodness. Um, We're obsessed. Uh, so, <laughs> oh um, <laughs> Well, this is a 90s podcast. So, it's or a 90s, a 90s, podcast, 90s movie. <laughs> we want to know what turns you turns on. You on. I gotta know. I like to know. Jam. My goodness. That was always the awkward slow dancing on the um on the the gymnasium. Absolutely. Sweaty Um, hands. Such an inappropriate song for a group of like tweens to be dancing to. Songs that we had like our seventh grade dances. Yes, we talked about this. Hulk coming through on you. We this is the same time we talked about this on the podcast. So we gotta sure that we're trying to keep our stories fresh. But yes, that song is filthy. I refuse to keep our stories fresh. I want them as rotted as, as me and Jen. Um, <laughs> as um, seasoned as you and I. <laughs> dude. Uh, so as seasoned as one of those like thousand year old fermented eggs, you know. Ooh. I love it. I love a good a good thousand year what do they call like thousand year old eggs? Isn't that what they're called? I don't know. I just like they're thought like of... that and they're black, right? They're yeah, black. they're like and they're and like, they're like... I'm sure I've never been around one, but I'm sure they smell like absolute asshole. Um, so yeah, so then like Chino says no, and then his friend he's like, No, I'm not gonna, you know, sign my birth certificate sign a birth certificate for a child that isn't mine. And then like his friends show up and they're like, Yo, like Lizette was getting pounded in a in a Lamborghini <laughs> in front of the apartment building, which is also just like Chino believes it instantly for one thing. And like not even like Because Chino's insecure. My... Oh yeah. So of oh, course absolutely. He's gonna... and he's the one cheating. So people so who a... cheat always think the other person is cheating. That is so true. I wouldn't know because I've never been on either side of that. But Me I know neither, that Jane knows literally from some of the perfect. Stuff she's done in these streets. Wait, um, what? <laughs> so yeah, so Chino gets out of jail. He then agrees like to go along with this deal after he finds out about Lizette's alleged like not even Infidelity. affair, just like uh, sex on the street, basically, <laughs> according to this story. <laughs> His wife, it's Lizette, so a woman wild. That at this point in the movie, anybody would be like, this is not in her character, but okay. And also, it's like, she's too fucking smart to do that. If she was going to cheat on him, she's not going to fucking a Lamborghini that has, is a convertible outside of her own apartment also, building. Also, Lizette isn't like a money motivated person. Not that that's no. like what this is about, but it's just like there's nothing in her character that leads you to believe that she would ever do this. And instead of, I mean, she needs like, money to live, but she's also like not going to do that. Like you just know no. that she's not going to. I mean, do well, that. essentially, yeah. they're they are essentially saying that it's some sort of like sex work that Lizette is like mm-hmm. partaking in behind Chino's Which, back. Which no shade, but that's not no what shade she does. at all. But that's not what she does, and that's not what's happened. And 
and Chino doesn't even like need to confirm with her. He just like it's not like a call. Like let me call my wife, his wife, by the way. It's just like yeah. no, I'm no, I'm good. You guys, you idiots, showed up and told me this story. I bought it. So then Chino's out of <laughs> Hook, jail. Hook, line, and sinker. Hook, line, and sinker. Um, so he's out of jail. Um, that's the name of Jane and me and Jane's law firm, actually. Hook, line, and sinker. Um, <laughs> we uh, we take the cases mm-hmm. as they as they come in. We as they come yeah. in, and let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that water is running dry. So if you have anything that you need help with, go ahead and email at hookline-and-sinker at gmail.gov and we'll make sure that your case... I got the .edu. Oh, you got .edu. Perfect. That's what And we I need. also got the .jpg as well. So we can We're sort any of, of those. the... Um, <clears throat> If you guys have ever seen the documentary Making the Murderer, ma- Making well, a it's Murderer. It's Making a Murderer, not the Murderer. <laughs> it's not like America's Next Top Model. Making the Murderer. It's like us teaching somebody how to kill. I've got two pictures. <laughs> I've got two pictures in front of me. One is unfortunately of your deceased wife, and one is of your, your departed son. You pick. Either one of them, we can make a reality. We are, after all, making a murder on the <laughs> And Stephen Avery, we were rooting for you. Well, after, well Jane that. was, for sure. Yeah. You got all those <laughs> sad letters she's written with her dry tears on them. What um, is the what is the lawyer's name who like goes to bat for him? It's like Kathleen something. She like works in like she like exonerates a lot of people. It's, it's like Catherine Peter it's, No, Pete. No, it's like no, it's Buckle Montgomery. Zellner. What? It's Buckle Montgomery, isn't it? Isn't <laughs> Buckle Montgomery. I've no, never it's... seen it. I've never seen it before. You've never seen Making a Murderer? Why no. did you not watch it? You love true crime. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes when like sometimes when it's too much around it, it it's like it just it makes me nervous. I don't know how to describe it. Sometimes when there's too much fervor happening, it's like exhausting to me and it's like I can't I can't partake. Will you watch it now? I would. I know it's probably okay. like a doozy because I know there's multiple seasons, so I'm just like. I think there's only two. <sighs> okay. Well, then I would. I would watch it. Do you want to watch it with me? We should watch it together. I would like to watch, I'd watch, you watch it with it. you. I'd watch it with okay. you. Okay. Great. It's so, fun. yeah. So, we've got something else boring on our <laughs> on our agenda, everybody. Be jealous. Um, so, yeah. So, all of this, Chino gets out. Chino gets out via like Magdalena. And then, like, Lizette comes home. Because he says he's going to take the baby. Oh, yeah. He's going to take on the baby and everything. So Lizette shows up. He asks her if she cheated on him. She says no. And he's like, what? He, like, instantly is like, oh, okay. Now I believe you. But in, you know, the course of this, she obviously, him being able to admit to this child, even if it's not his, means that he cheated with Magdalena. So, like, Mm -hmm. she's dealing with all of that. And That scene when they are arguing in the streets about this, she comes home and she's at first so... She's walking down the street and she's coming home from this job and she's been pretty successful at this job at this record company she's been assisting mr price she's done well he appreciates the things that she does for her um <clears throat> although he's a little creepy with her um but he she's feeling like confident you know and then she comes home and she sees chino sitting on the stoop and she's so excited because her goal throughout this whole fucking movie is to get him out of jail and she runs up and she's so excited she's like Chino come down here oh my god I can't believe you're back and he's sort of standoffish and then sort of he confronts her 
about cheating on her and and his friends are really egging him on and like being like go on go on like you know give it to her give it to her and he's like a little hesitant because he still loves her and you know he's not sure exactly what's going on and just turns into this big like calamity and they're all screaming and fighting with each other in the street and the people from the neighborhood are not only spectating but like participating and then when she finds out in this exchange that Chino has said that this child is his she knows for sure like you were saying that he is cheated on her with Magdalena and Chino is like desperately trying to like hold on to her and there's this moment in the street where like the camera pans up and you get you're probably like you know 20 feet above them watching this take place and Chino is like holding on to Lisette from behind he's like please don't leave please don't leave like listen to me and she's like no no and she like she's like get off of me let go of me like shakes him off and she's like I can't remember what she says but she's like I have a job I'm worth something what what are the rest of you worth like blah 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 and it's just this very like heartbreaking moment for her and like you feel it and I think that's a really interesting way to show that through the bird's eye view and you sort of see them looking you know looking down into this like dynamic where it's like not only is it not only is it Chino and um Lisette having this like incredibly difficult heated exchange but everyone in their neighborhood is a part of it Oh, it's like, yeah, it gives, like, it gives character to, like, spectatorship. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like, that's the other, like, that's the other, like, cast member in this is, like, the collective of, like, the the culture of the neighborhood and, like, this Mm -hmm. idea that they sort of, like, that the neighborhood as a whole takes on this sort of, like, personhood, like, in Mm -hmm. this, like, in this sort of, like, almost, like, singular sense. And there's something almost, like, Greek about it in a way. It feels like that type of tragedy. And a part of that is mm. honestly like a testament to like the um the malleability of like Lauren Velez's Lizette. Because like mm-hmm. she brings such heart to it that it's like there are these moments sometimes which I love where it's like you don't realize what the cost is or the stakes are until you get the opportunity to see it through her perspective. And there are mm-hmm. these moments where Liz, where we're almost allowed into Lizette's mind, and through her mind, she's the person that we we're, we're allied with. She's the person that we're rooting for, and we realize how horrible things are because we're seeing ourselves go through it in her. So it's like in those moments, like that was a moment that could have been played for humor very easily, and a lot of times in movies, a moment like that would be, um, it would turn into like this slapsticky hijinks maybe. Or it wouldn't have, like, the the gravity and the heft that this moment does. But it's, Mm -hmm. like, Lizette almost turning the tables and putting the mirror up to everybody else and saying, look at yourselves, look at all of your houses that you need to get in order, you know? Because it's everybody condemning her, and it's all on hearsay, which is, I mean, that's typical. Well, I mean, a mansplain womanhood to you. But, I mean, it's just, like, (laughs) like, literally Chino's been, like, you know, probably banging other people also. I doubt that, like, it stopped at Magdalena. But right. it's, like, the fact that, like, it, all it took was, like, speculation. <clears throat> and, like, Lizette, who's literally just been, like, scrambling to make enough money to get, like, Chino out of jail is now being condemned. And she's confused and doesn't understand why. And then within the condemnation, she discovers that, like, not only has she not done anything wrong, but, like, 
even if Chino's not the father of this baby, like he the fact that he could be or that he's done something that would put him within like the running to potentially be is like egregious enough and so like her leaving and just sort of like washing herself of all of this Mm -hmm. um it's the other side of that coin there's this the great moments in the beginning where you get like the the feeling of like this the heart and the soul of this neighborhood there's a warmth there's um there's a warmth there's like this musicality it is very mm-hmm. it's very soulful and then like we have this other side of it which is like yeah the, it's warm and it's community and everybody knows everybody and you know we all are part of each other's lives and it's like you say it with that lilt in your voice and it's positive but then it's like everybody knows everybody and we're a part yeah. of each other's lives and it's like everyone is a part of what's going on and so they can be the other person or the other personality when you've got a community like this where people are on the stoops and everybody sees when somebody gets home and what time they get home and who was in the car you know and then yeah it it gets sort of blown out of proportion and now like you know this sort of pushes Lizette into like I think wanting to get back Chino is now working at a bodega for Magdalena's dad he's like now sort of like made himself a fixture in her life I mean Lizette's still taking care of the three kids and Mm -hmm. working this job and she's done nothing wrong and Chino cheated on her and Mm -hmm. so it's like she is now working this job um, and she you know in a moment of weakness I can only assume decides to like you know hook up with her boss not because well she knows Mr. Price like is impressed by her and um, attracted to her because he is not subtle about it and he's creepy about it and I think she like when you like when I first was watching the movie I was like no 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 listen no like do not fuck him like he's not going to like he's not going to be a reprieve for you. He's mm-hmm. not like, and, and my whole thing was like, I was worried as a viewer watching her being like, this is going to like, if you think he's going to save you in some way, then like th- that's not going to happen. And I was worried that she was taking that route. And that was my ignorance, not fully understanding this character is that nobody ever needs to save Lisette, And she doesn't expect anything in that sense like she has made it so clear throughout this movie that no matter what particularly with that exchange with the neighborhood and with chino finding out that he's cheated on her she is absolutely going to do what needs to be done and so i think it was like my first thought was like oh god like he's going to like break her heart as well because she's going to fall in love with this rich white guy and expect something from him and he's going to treat her like shit and that's not really what happens i mean yes they have sex and it's like very disappointing sex but she just needs to do this i think and sleep with him in order to like a there's a part of her that wants to get back at chino which i understand and i think there's a part of her that just needs like because she's she's been with chino for 10 years and i think she needs to see herself 
being with someone else, whoever that person is, doesn't really matter in order to feel like she has her own, like, she's agency over her own life. And Chino is not everything. And she says that in the beginning where Chino's like, I'm your everything or whatever. And then when they're having that argument, she's like, you aren't my everything. You aren't my everything. I think she says, I'm, like, I'm everything to me or something. I can't remember Mm -hmm. exactly what it was. But I think this is also, like, her sleeping with Mr. Price is actually an extension of that. Um, And, you know, it's disappointing. And I was really worried it was going to mean she loses her job and all that kind of stuff but really it's a fuck you to Chino which fine you do what you need to do and also it's her making her own choices and proving that she can do whatever the fuck she wants without Chino absolutely and it's like this clumsy sexual experience and like Mr. Price is like on a business call during it and then there's a moment where she says what everybody wants to hear right after sex which is that's it um, and, um, and she like sort of like gets her stuff and leaves and she's clearly like you know realizes that she's been sort of like disillusioned about like what she thought <laughs> this would be but also I think it's like com- it's also like okay got that out of my system a little bit too because it's right. like it's never like I never got the feeling of like Lizette catching feelings for this guy it was just sort no. of like I think it was almost sometimes I think you do things like that almost because you think that's gonna drown out the noise you think like at least like yes. after I do this thing like this will this will make this seem a little bit this will like give con not context but this will like I think you said reprieve earlier. This will be like a mm-hmm. reprieve from like from like my life as I know it, you know? Yes. Or you're hoping or you're thinking to yourself, wow, this was so easy for Chino to do. I wonder if it'd be that easy for me. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, and it seems like I get the feeling from this movie that they're like high school sweethearts. So it's very possible that Chino's yeah. the only person that Lizette's ever been with. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it's that, that moment of like, oh, okay, now that's done. And it was nothing more than what it was. And so she's able to sort of feel, feel better. But then there's this the moment after this when she goes to see Chino who's now working at the bodega for Magdalena's father and she brings uh, his jersey to him and inside the jersey is a torn like a torn condom packet uh, just the packet not the actual condom but it's a torn packet but it's inside and he like doesn't want to open it and he's like what is this why'd you bring this to me what's this about and she's just like open it open it and he's like I don't want to I feel like whatever's in here is going to change everything and he finally opens it and it's just like a shot it's I'm not shot it's just like uh, a torn Torn condom uh, wrapper. Rapper. And he knows what that means, obviously. And like, <laughs> then he like, he's like, you ruined everything, Lizette. And it's just like, did she? Not did you? She, no, she didn't. No. Not you? No, not, not, okay. not you, Chino. Well, that's the thing about Chino is that everything is everybody else's fault. And Which that's I think like is a part of his, his journey, constant. too. constant. And I well, the, and that's a really good point too because like the movie starts out with with Chino and Lisette having very intense sex, and he's holding a clock and he's looking at the clock and he's like, "Oh my god, I've been going for eighty nine minutes." Which, which point in my head I was like, "Oh my god, eighty nine minutes? Fucking finished already? <laughs> like you got kids outside? This has got to end." I'm sure she's not having fun for eighty nine minutes, um, and and that's true. Lisette is like, "Okay, finish." finish finish and he's like and finally they finish having sex and then like throughout the movie he accuses 
Lisette of quote not being a very sexual person and Alexis accuses her of that as well and she during an argument she says to Gina well maybe I'd be a more sexual person like if you knew what you were doing or whatever and then like at the very end when they have that conversation um, the thing that she says to him is you never think about the other person and it's so poignant because it's so true. I mean, it's like, it's such a simple thing to say to your husband, but it is such a through line, not only through their like sexual life, but also like through every choice that he makes, he does not think about how it's going to affect her. And I think it has to do with his like intense insecurities about whatever um, and all that kind of stuff. But him finally kind of understanding what she means at the end of the movie at least it it seems like he's beginning to understand what she means by the end of the movie and it's like it has nothing to do with her not being a sexual person it has to do with you not fucking thinking about your wife you're just thinking about how long you can last in bed which like spoiler alert isn't always great for a person if they're not having a good time (laughs) absolutely and Jane doesn't have bad sex to know about you know what it's like um but yeah so i think that jane's completely right no joking but jane's completely right i think that like in that there's that moment like one of the other moments that was really great is like little c their son he seems to like there's this i mean he's an eight-year-old little boy and clearly like i mean lizette and chino they've got their own stuff going on and he's precocious and he's sort of like out in these streets and still in toys from the bodega and all sorts of stuff and there's like this moment where Lizette Jane mentioned earlier she threatens to like spank him that doesn't work and it's like what it really takes is sort of like just sort of like sitting down with him and leveling with him and Mm -hmm. just letting him know like you know you're supposed to help you know you're the oldest you're supposed to be helping me and make my life easier that's the thing that like seems to kind of get through to him is like you know Mm -hmm. he's not the kind of kid that you can really like try and go toe to toe with but he seems like he's got such a good heart and it's like Mm. you know when he sees that his mother needs him to show up in that way which I can relate to having been raised by a single parent like Mm -hmm. that that sort of like supersedes like anything else like this like desire to like you know having a parent that's like I need you to help make my life easier because you're all I have and it's like Mm -hmm. it, it calls on you in a different way it's you know it's a different type of acknowledgement and I think that like that seems to be little C's journey you know from sort of like the dad going to prison or jail and then like little C like running amok and you know acting out as a result of that and then realizing oh I wanted to act out because he was in jail but because he's in jail as, as the oldest sibling, like, I actually need to show up more. It's, I need to be doing the exact opposite of what I'm doing. And it's not yeah. until Lizette, like, looks him in the eyes and explains it to him that you see this, like, moment of growth for him that's really, um, it's really sweet. I mean, there's mm-hmm. other issues that pop over the course of the movie, but you see, like, the potential for him to sort of, like, understand and, like, mature. And, um... yeah. And as an eight-year-old, you know, you can only hope that that carries over. And, of course, you know, there are other things that go on that, you know, he sort of gets into, which aren't great. But I think he at least 
has I think I think it's those like quiet moments I, I remember being a kid with my parents and if they were so mad at me about something I was not affected by my parents yelling at me because I would just yell back at them because I was a little asshole kid and like I remember certain moments where my parents were completely frustrated with me and had no idea what to do with me. And I remember my mom just pleading with me to help her on certain things. I can't remember specifically, but I just remember those moments definitely coming through to me way more as a kid when it was like, oh, I'm actually like getting a glimpse of my parent as a real person who needs help as opposed to like an authoritarian figure who's screaming at me you know uh, and i see yeah. that in that conversation I, I i relate to that because i mean certainly you know i my parents i, I frustrated my parents a lot and the way that it got through to me was when i saw them as human beings you know Absolutely. I think that that's like the, I think that that's the big, one of the big journeys of like early adulthood, especially is like that realization that like your parents are people just Mm -hmm. like you're a person, especially I think the older you get when you hit certain ages where you're like, I was this old when my mom was this old Mm -hmm. and you like think about it and it puts things in context and you're just like, wow, like, yeah, my, like at this age, my mom, I would my mom had a 12 year old. Which is like so crazy um, to think about, but it is. It's like, it's that thing. It's like, oh, wow, she was this age. Like, imagine this age and like me knowing what I know about the world and like Mm -hmm. me trying to, like, I would be making mistakes left and right, you know? And so. Oh my God, of course. I I just think that like that's a testament to, you know, I, I think the the power of like a real meaningful connection. Of course I say, I can say that from like my perch without any children. I know it, it is so hard. Of course, there's no I mean- science to <laughs> being a parent. There are all sorts of like, you know, challenges and every child is different and unforeseen, you know, circumstances and things that have to be navigated that present themselves. But And there I- are times when you need to scream at your fucking kids. Like I'm sure, like, I don't know, but like, I'm absolutely sure of it. There were many times where I certainly, the- needed to be screamed at and where children need to be screamed at but certainly there are some times where you just like you know when you're little and you get sort of nervous because you understand the stakes for your parents they sort of like lift the veil a little bit and And I know you would scream I know you would scream and hit your your kids a little bit before obviously CBS had to well, yeah, I don't have them. I don't that, have them anymore. That little tip that they got. Um, well, I always say good friends to to bad milk. Ugh, I mean, I say that. I think most people say that. I don't know anybody who's like saying the opposite. Like, well, hello my- to hello to to spoiled milk. Well, I can't wait. See in my what- tummy, and then in my toilet. Fifteen minutes later. Well, that's how I'm thinking of my my kids. I no longer oh. see them, and um, I. By, by the way, you guys, I have never had children. <laughs> I don't. Oh, the erasure. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh God, I just imagine like just chugging like a half gallon of just stop. Milk. Stop! Why you always go there? It's like we can't um, have a conversation about milk without you getting really disgusted. Okay, um, let's move so, on. So yeah, so milk, milk. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jane sort of like touched on it earlier. We we talked about some of the the really like powerful moments there. The moment when yeah, Alexis, you know, 
asserts herself and decides, you know, to go over to, like, you know, see her parents. You know, she's given pictures to her mother. She mentions earlier their mother has, uh, their parents have a cart. I also wanted, this was one thing I wanted to mention was, like, it's interesting because I definitely get the feeling that obviously, like, Alexis's relationship with her parents, she um, she's estranged from them, it seems. Like, mm-hmm. they're not talking. But also, it seems like they don't, they don't love Lisette either. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think both of their kids are yeah. like, yeah, what do you like, want from us? <laughs> yeah, that's what, it, like, when Lisette shows up, it's just, like, darkening their doorway. Like, what do you want? And also, I love, there's something about Lizette showing up, and Lizette shows up to see her parents when she needs $1,500 for bail for Chino, and it's so <laughs> funny, because she shows up, and, like, she's like, they're, they're like, what? What do you want? And she's just like, $1,500 to get my husband out of jail? And it's just like, girl, you knew they weren't giving you that money. What you, what, what was this reindeer game you decided to play today? Like, they're she's like, no. hoping for a portion of that. I mean, I, I can relate to um, darkening my parents' doorway and asking for money in my 20s and them being <laughs> not excited to hear from me. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, you're like, uh, oh my god, figure your shit out. Stop asking us for money. Yeah, lose our number. <laughs> yeah. um, it was very that. It also is kind of funny to me, though, because does that, like... Lizette, Lizette literally is walking around with five dollars, and like I, that's like, a, that's a terror. She, I don't, I can't even imagine living through. And she's like, Alexis, like, can I borrow? <laughs> Alexis isn't giving her a nickel. Alexis <laughs> is like, girl, nope. I got some ideas for you. I, can, I got some tips. Get but a pen out and your idea notebook because I am full of them. Exactly. But these coins, mama, they stay They're where they staying are. in this purse. Exactly. But also, Liz, uh, Alexis is like a very obviously self reliant person and she's like. Yeah. That is not well, and I appreciate fantasy. that to some extent too, because I'm sure she's not rolling in it, but she also wants, you know, probably wants that for Lisette as well. Oh, and also I think that she's probably obviously I have to remember that in movies and stuff. Like when people ask characters for money and stuff, it's like you have to remember that this is the fiftieth time that they've asked for money, oh. and they've been given it many times before, and this is just like not this time. <laughs> so in those types of moments, but yeah, that that scene where she goes over and she sees her parents and you know is met with violence, it's it's really you know it's it's a heartbreaking moment. Um, it's horrible, and she's not there asking for money. She's there no, asking she for love. Seen. She just yeah. wants to be seen as as she is, and um, yeah, that's awful. And then the other moment, I think, because then from this relationship with, you know, obviously the relationship with Lizette and Chino was a roller coaster, and eventually he finds out that he's not the father of Magdalena's baby, and it's one of his mm-hmm. friends, and he sort of steps up to take over as the father. Chino moves back into the house. Uh, it's a contentious move-in, and then we've got sort of like him and Lizette existing in the same house, trying to co-parent, but also like not being on good terms with each other. And the last and scene, he's got and he's got a night job, so he works. He gets nights. a nice job, yeah, doing security. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then we have like this moment right at the end of the movie where Lizette's sleeping on the couch, he's sleeping in the bedroom. She wakes up in the middle of the night. They sort of have this uh, come to Jesus moment where they sort of sit across from each other at the table, 
and they sort of talk it all out. And Chino comes up with this idea where he's like, let's each write down on a piece of paper all of the things that we did with the people that we had these extramarital affairs with. And Lizette, like, writes down her one thing and then folds her paper and Chino's literally channeling Anne Rice and he is, like, all in on a novel. And he's flipping the paper over and he's writing more stuff and she's like, you're not done yet? And then they switch pages. And when they switch pages, he sort of, like, is given this... He he, he has this moment where he sort of... Uh, takes a breath of relief at seeing that Lizette did literally one thing with this person. And then he, you know, and Lizette's got to read his novella that he's handed her. Of well, it's like of a his, list. His Kama Sutra that he's, like, given her. Yeah, I'm like, what is this list consist he also, of? He also seems kind of, like, almost disappointed in her. He's like, this is all you did? It's like, okay, uh, sir. So so they pass these, and then Chino's sort of like, you know, he asks her the question, you know, mm-hmm. was he better than me? And she says no, and then he does his little, you know, rocky fist pump in the air, and he's feeling himself, and she just says, that's your problem. Like, you're always worried about the wrong thing. You don't, you know, you never, you always think about yourself. You never think about the other person. Mm. And then he says... I hope you have a good night. And you see the moment, you see him take it in. And it's one of the mm-hmm. first times you see Chino actually process something on mm-hmm. that level. And he says, I hope you have a good night, other person. Or I hope you I hope you sleep well, other person. And it is, it's like, it kind of melts your heart in a way. It does. And I hate that because I want to hate Chino because of all the shitty things that he's done. You, but you, you don't. You can't. You like and love I think, him like, still. Yeah. You do. And you get why Lisette takes him back and they get back together. And like, the thing about this scene, this final scene, it is so, it's one of those moments that like, It is just a quiet moment between these two in their home, which, like, you never, ever see. It's the only one we have in the whole movie. It's the only one we have in the whole movie. And it's, you know, it's right before dawn. um, And it's them meeting each other in the middle and sitting at this table. And it is, no one says anything huge or monumental. But so much is said that is huge and monumental between them because they, A, they don't get these moments and B, this is sort of the, the first time where they're saying without saying, like, how do we move through this? And it's so well played because it's not you know the music doesn't swell and it's not this big romantic moment where they find each other again it's a a small commitment to like continue and I think like it was so well acted between the two of them I think it was really well directed like it was that sort of I, I'm just trying to find a, a way to say that like it it was a small moment while, while being monumental for the two of them I guess well I think that it's them seeing each other and I feel like more than anything it's just them saying like agreeing to tomorrow you know yes like totally. just agreeing to the next day 
and mm-hmm. like we'll see where it goes from there. Um, the the content, the things I will say, not th- we're not a continuity podcast, but I did think it was really funny. The moment, you know what I'm gonna say. The moment when Lizette's like Lizette's sleeping on the couch, Chino comes home, he's being loud in the kitchen, which is what wakes her up. Mm-hmm. And then there's a moment where she like wakes up, and her curlers are those old school curlers are sort of coming mm-hmm. out of her hair, yes. and she starts sort of putting them back in. And then like she gets up and sort of he's like in the kitchen trying to find something to eat. And I get the feeling it's probably around maybe midnight or one or two in the morning maybe no it's and right before dawn it's like right before because when she goes oh okay she, well then yeah okay so maybe it's like yeah maybe it is like four or five so yeah. she gets up she goes in the kitchen the next shot she was like her hair was like tangled up in these like little like curlers and the next <laughs> shot is lauren velez she's never been more beautiful she's her hair standing is in the doorway perfect of the kitchen i did notice this too. her hair is perfectly coiffed that face I mean, is beat for the gods and you late. were just like girl this is not this is not the same look from you, you pe- waking mm-hmm. up on that couch um, it's you amazing not movie wake magic up like moment. This. Yeah, no, no impossible <laughs> to do so. Um, she looks absolutely gorgeous, and it was just I mean, a moment that a... I kind of laughed because I was like, "She's stunning!" Like I love it. Absolutely clocked that too, where I was like, <laughs> "Okay, like, like I want this moment to happen, but I have to acknowledge that that we didn't get from point A to point B in a straight line." <laughs> There was at least an hour break where we went back in hair and makeup. Absolutely. Um, But that was like just a small funny moment. But I think that Jane summed it up perfectly. It's this really beautiful sort of compromise and um, meeting each other like on the same level and like Mm -hmm. acknowledging your wrongdoing, um, but ultimately making the decision to like try and move forward and figure out what like the what the new you is going to be and Mm -hmm. it's got and it it ends on this very sort of like not not a note of resolution but a note of promise Mm -hmm. um and it's great and i mean we've got all of this there's nothing has been solved at the end of this movie everything is very much like still in process um Mm -hmm. entirely open-ended and it is like it's an hour and about 45 minutes but then it's like over and when it's over you still have that moment where you're like oh that's it it's like it's like mm-hmm. first you have a moment of like oh that's it and then you think that's the perfect way to end it like i was so happy with how this movie ended i was so because it it gave so much weight to like the the journey that we were just on because nothing is resolved in real life and the thing is is that like you feel like this movie to me felt so real Mm -hmm. like just in terms of like the interactions and the acting and and all of that that the ending had to feel just as real and and they did such a fucking good job with that and i was so happy how it ended and hopeful like absolutely it, it was, yeah it, it, it was it a hopeful kind of, ending um, it feels kind of like you know and i think it's funny because i didn't realize when i wrote my synopsis i said at the end well I said, will Lizette and Chino be able to drown out all the noise? And it's so funny because it does. It's yeah. like it's like they spin this entire movie. It starts on this loud, bombastic like note, and like, the whole movie like you know builds on that promise. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, the most in this in this house is over the course of this movie. This house, it's three it's three small children and like two adults like in this what looks like a maybe a two maybe a th- two bedroom apartment or a 
three bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. maybe. But it is like craziness. It's havoc, like you would expect in Just any chaos. You know, yeah, yeah. But it's it is funny that like, and of course, it's in one of those quiet, stolen moments where the kids are asleep that like this happens. But there are other mm-hmm. nighttime scenes where there's arguments and confrontations, and so it's like how fitting that we save like the last scene for like. A little quiet. bit of resolve, you know, for a quiet. And that's why I think it's yeah. it's really significant that it was, you know, four or five in the morning because I think that's probably the only time yeah. that like the Bronx is like or New York and is sort of quiet. You know, you have that kind of you could have like that kind of you know silence to breathe and to think and to connect. The peace that like Lisette is looking for, and it's not a resolve; it's just a sense of peace. Like, it doesn't mean that it has to last and doesn't mean that everything has to be solved by this, but it's just a moment. Like, and you see her searching for that in the the movie several times. You have, you have her running into the bathroom and people are pounding on the door and um, pounding on the, you know, the floor below. And she is just trying to have a moment and turns up the music really loudly just so she can drown out everything. And, and, and then she finally gets it in this moment and it was really beautiful I I 100% agree and then during the credits so we should say so like at one point during the movie she suggests to her boss for this group um, the Mendez brothers to do a cover of Try a Little Tenderness and I was like oh my god that's such an interesting idea. I love that. I mean, it's like one of the greatest songs ever written. Every time I hear it, I get actual chills. It's one of my favorite, favorite songs of... It's one of the most beautiful ever. songs, like, ever written. For real. I mean, there. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't react emotionally to that song. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, I'm so on board for this. And then they do the music video, and I was like... Oh God! I this is the worst cover of the song I've ever. It's like, well, first of all, it's not a song that you can really cover. Um, but second well, of all, through like the through like '90s R and B, like full on, it, it it just wasn't the it wasn't the moment for this, and um, it wasn't. And I've heard people cover it who have the like chops to do it, and you don't change it too much, well. and you stick to what it is, and it can become this beautiful moment and I was like (laughs) I will just say it is one of those songs that I don't really need to hear another version of no you Um, really don't I mean the original is is everything but I you know this has one of those voices that's like it's transcendent and it's like it's Mm -hmm. iconic it's I don't I don't need anybody else to touch this. Like, it is just it's <laughs> haunting. It is. I don't need to describe one of the most famous songs. I don't need to describe Try a Little Tenderness to anybody. No, you don't. Because, like, like, we're yeah, all we on board it. with this. I yeah. think, like, there are very, like, there are very few covers that I'll accept of that song. And I don't yeah. really want to hear a cover of it anyways. I just, if I hear it, I just want to hear the original. So. Yeah, as soon as I hear a cover, I think, oh, I just want to hear Otis's version. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Be alone with, like, a glass or something. And, like... Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. go through it real quick. Go uh, through it. But, All um, it. no, I, I 100% agree. Uh, this <laughs> but they movie, tried. Oh, but the, you know, the ending was really great. We get, we've mm-hmm. got Lizette on like a video shoot. They, they do like this sort of like meta, like ending where it's like, 
it's like Lizette's working on the video shoot <laughs> as like in her position. She clearly has gotten some sort of promotion at her at her company because she yeah. seems to be like creative director of the yeah. video shoot. And then we've also got like it feels like Chino and the kids are there, but then at times mm-hmm. it feels like it's like the actors playing the characters and not like the. <sighs> but then it's they're like all thing. asleep on the train. But at then some they're all point. asleep on the train. It's really, it's really wonderful, and it's such a cool, yeah. like, sweet way to end it, and mm-hmm. it's it's wonderful. And so, um, yeah, that's the movie. And mm-hmm. uh, Janie, I have the question. I think I know the answer, but Janie, is this a movie that you would watch again? This is absolutely a movie I watch again. I am upset that I had never heard of it before. And I think that is, um, you know, uh, it makes it a mission for me to talk to other people about this movie. Of course. Every time. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, every time we do something like this and I see, I mean, you have a tendency to choose a lot of really lovely movies for me to experience. And it. Um, widens my worldview a lot and I try to make sure that other people know about these movies that maybe they have missed because of, you know, I'm sure this movie didn't get the marketing it deserved. It's, you know, a movie with a fully Latinx um, cast with an Afro-Latina, you know, uh, lead uh, directed by a woman who is also Afro-Latino, I believe. And so, like, I'm sure that in 1994, this did not get the shine that it deserved. So if you guys, um, you know do one thing I would say definitely you know pay to rent this movie it's yeah, good I, I don't think it's yeah or see if you can find it even streaming it's a uh, it's yeah. a wonderful film and um that's yeah. what I meant pay to no but or, or pay to rent it I mean we do that too rent, so um well I mean pay to rent it online like to stream it yeah, I mean, yeah. I just I'm just meant, saying, I just, if you, if, if I just meant the stream, paywall I, should not stop you from from seeing. This movie. I completely agree, one hundred percent. And so, Jane, do you have a movie that you'd like for me to watch for next week? <laughs> I do, and this is very funny because it's gonna be like Dunstan checks on. <laughs> that is, by the way, your second Dunstan Chef checks in reference Isn't on this it? podcast. Yeah, then. you are. Well, first of all, we know that you're a, um... God, what the fuck is his name? Why am I blanking right now? Who's the guy? The guy from Friends. Joey from Friends. Matt LeBlanc? Matt LeBlanc. Isn't he in that movie? Is he? Well, now I have to Google that. (laughs) Please cut this. This is not a, this is not a good look. Dunstan checks in. Why did I think Matt LeBlanc was in this? Because you're obsessed with him. You've been the president of this fan club for a while. <laughs> it's Jason Alexander, Rupert Everett, Faye Dunaway, and Paul Rubens. Faye Dunaway? So. Academy Award winning actress. Why did I think that Matt LeBlanc was in this movie? Uh, Is he in another movie about a monkey? (laughs) uh, I'm not. Jane, just tell me what the movie is. Okay. I had it. I had. (laughs) The two of you. I hate you both. Dave just typed in, wrap it up, Jane. Excuse me. 
me. He's been sending a lot of messages. He's getting so... He's a keyboard warrior tonight. He really is. You know when he's not here, he's trolling, like, entertainment news sites and stuff. (laughs) So, the movie I have for you, actually, I was going to do something else, and then this movie made me think of that movie, and you'll find out why later when you watch this, but... I'm going oh, to have you watch... What? No, I'm not going to tell you. You tell me. Uh, okay. I'm going to have you watch 1991's The Commitments. Is that what you thought it was going to be? Mm-hmm. How? Why? Because I, I, I know a little bit about that movie. Okay. What do you know? Um, I know it's... I think they're Irish, maybe? Mm-hmm. And I know that like an Irish group of men, and they do soul songs. I think close enough, yeah. Okay. Um, but it is one of my favorite movies. It's very charming. I have not watched it in years, but I love it very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's gonna be. I know that I choose a lot of movies that are I one could call bad. Um, one could call ridiculous, but this is actually a movie that I think you're gonna like. So okay, I'm I could excited. I I could be wrong, but I think you will. Anyways, but you could be right too. <laughs> That's the mystery. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, broken Anyways. clock is right at least twice a day. <laughs> Am I the broken clock? Am no, I, broken? I just meant like no, don't <laughs> you putting that on it. Just kidding. Um, Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, If you want more from us in between episodes, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Missed. Um, And you can follow us on Twitter at MWMChat. And if you guys like what you hear, we'd love for you to head to Apple Podcasts, write a review, a glowing review about us, um, and rate us five stars because that's a big help to us. Um, We love you. We can't wait to see you next week for the commitments. And we hope you have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I love ham and it was really beautiful.